0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve an amazing king and through him we have victory. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles with me please to the book of Luke chapter 6. The book of Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we'll begin reading in verse 37, when you got it, say so. And it says, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. That will be the focus of our message today, verse 40. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or have you, or or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye. When you yourselves do not see the plank that is in your own eye, hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. God, we come to you today exalting you, honoring you, thanking you because of the great privilege that it is to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ And to worship and adore your name, God. We thank you because we have this privilege to break bread together, Lord God. The very bread of life. And I pray today that you would use me as a vessel in your hands. And God, I pray that you would give each of us ears to hear what your spirit says to your church. And I ask you all of these things believing. And I thank you for this. In Jesus' good name, someone said. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so we are continuing on in our series dealing with multi-generational discipleship and how important this is. And today is going to be the third message of four. Um, and next week I will at least start the fourth message dealing with the importance of male leadership. But today we're going to deal with the topic. And if you have the outline that was given to you a while back, um, you'll know that the topic for this week is education account or a cost worth counting. We're going to talk about education. Now this is definitely going to be a controversial topic, but it's all good. Amen. It's something that we need to talk about, something that we need to discuss. Some of you, your past these years and your walk with Jesus, you don't have any children that are in school. So really you're like, this doesn't pertain to me. But listen, I always say this and I, and I don't say this just so that way you don't disengage and, you know, start balancing your checkbook during the next, you know, however long I, I say this to be real. God has put you in this place this morning, whether you're a parent of a child going to school in school, who graduated from school for a reason. Amen? Amen. God knew this message was going to be preached. He knew you weren't going to be sick this morning. He knew you were going to get up and come to church even, you, even though you didn't want to. And so there's a reason for this. And so it may be specifically for you where you are right now. It may be a rebuke for you and, and, and some things you made where God wants to bring repentance and even healing to your life. And it may be for somebody else that you will be able to counsel. And so I encourage you, take notes as if you are the person that I'm talking to. Amen. Amen. And remember, if you think it's for someone else, you need to repent. That was a rule we established last week in case you missed that. And so, as I said, we're going to focus on verse 40, which verse 40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher. Say, Teacher but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so in context, let me contextualize this because I don't want to just pull a scripture out of context and utilize it. But what I want you to understand is that Jesus is specifically, that's the reason why I read the whole area of the scripture. Jesus is specifically speaking about being judgmental and judging with the wrong, with the wrong vision and not seeing things the way that God wants us to see them. And he's talking about blind leaders of the blind, but then it goes on and it says in this particular, apart in verse 39 it says and he spoke a parable to them and so when Jesus speaks these parables what he is doing is he is drawing a line and he's saying look I want you to look at this from a natural perspective and understand that this carries over into the spiritual but hear me please he is using a natural and real example and what he is saying is this matters this happens in the natural therefore when we look at this specific topic of education and we'll talk about schooling and stuff like that This is what really happens. Are you hearing me? This is what really occurs. And so this is not pulling something out of context. No, this is literally using Jesus. This is confirming that Jesus is using something that is a real example, not some pulled out of the sky example. Which becomes important because if Jesus is just pulling examples out of the sky, they really don't matter. That's why when he talks about people who sow and reap and all that kind of stuff, he's talking about real things. You know, you sow seed, and you know some places it bears 100%, other places bear 60%, other places 40%, other places, you know, just a little bit. Some places it doesn't bear any fruit. What he's doing is he's giving a real example. And so here we'll deal with the topic of education. What we've already gone through is we have already established this, and I hope the parents have gotten this, that that we are as parents primarily responsible for the biblical, moral, and ethical education of our children. Discipleship, and let me say this clearly, is a task that requires grace, intention, and more grace. Discipleship of our children is a task that requires grace, intention and more grace and so God by his grace illuminates our hearts and helps us to understand that it is important for us to know that it is our job it is my job as Alexis's father to make sure that I am discipling my daughter my greatest desire for her is not that she's a spectacular person in academics I want her to be smart I want her to be educated but that is not my greatest desire for her it is not for her to be the best athlete if she she were that that wouldn't be my goal that is not a goal even on her chart so glory to God for all that but ultimately that is not my ultimate goal as a parent and so my ultimate goal as a parent is that I have led my daughter well and that I have trained her in the fear and the admonition of the Lord that I have nurtured her in Christ and I would hope that Jesus because I know this Jesus doesn't only care about your spiritual well-being he cares about all of your well-being But if I put the cart before the horse, something else will become my idol and something else will become the thing that drives. If Jesus is not the reason why I want my daughter to be good in academics or, you know, my child to be good in other areas, if Jesus is not the primary focus, I will worship something else and I will lead my children to worship something else. My children will be more concerned with the $10 they get per A than just glorifying Jesus. So Jesus says clearly that a student is going to become like his teacher. That word disciple there can also be the word teach or or, or it can also be the word student. And so talking about the teacher-student relationship and the whole point Jesus is trying to drive home is listen, there's some blind people, blind people can't lead blind people. What will happen if, if, if one blind person grabs another blind person by the hand, not to be funny or mean, but if they grab one blind person, grabs the other blind person by the hand, and they start walking, eventually something chaotic is going to happen. They're going to fall into a ditch. They're going to run into a wall. They may walk off a bridge somewhere. I mean, something is going to occur eventually because you just can't do it that way. It just does not happen. They have certain instincts, but they are lacking something in order to be able to fully lead another person into a way that is not going to be harmful to them at some point. And that's what happens when we become judgmental or critical. And so one one thing that I want to say about education and the reason why it will probably be quiet for most of this is because education is usually not even a second thought for parents aside from trying to be sure that we live in a good school zone with A-rated schools in the safest possible environment for our children. I mean, let's be real about it. Is that not what we think about when we, you know, a lot of people, they move from different areas because they're like, you know what, I don't want to raise my kids around the area where I was raised because it was kind of crazy and I would like to deliver them from that, right? A lot of us have done those things. And what do we think about? We thought about school zones. We thought about, well, maybe if we bring them over here, it will be not as dangerous for them. We thought about those things. That's about as far as we think when it comes to our child's education, we've done a great job to be able to afford to live in a neighborhood and be in in an area where our child is going to go to a good school and so that's about as far as we think about this but here's the fact the fact is to be a faithful disciple maker which each parent say this each parent is called to be a disciple maker See, a lot of times we think that it's just the pastor's responsibility, the elder's responsibility, the leadership in the church responsibility to make disciples. We think maybe in some, you know, off way that we are responsible to make disciples. But I want you to know something. If God has entrusted you with children or if he ever will entrust you with children, you are called to be a disciple maker at the same level that I am called to be a disciple maker as I lead this church. Don't think that you are less than anything. You are equivalent when it comes to parenting and leading your children. One of the things that um, um, someone sent me an email, and they were asking me if I was going to touch on the topic that I I dealt with last week, and last week you know that I read from the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and it talks about in the beginning of that, it says, children, honor your parents. Y'all remember that there? And I really didn't get too much into the children honoring your parents really deeply, but the one thing that I want you to realize about this, and I want to touch on it today, is that we're talking about multi Multi generational discipleship. And so I want to say this to every young person that is in this place you have to be willing to receive the impartation, the direction, and the guidance that is passed down from your parents if they are going to be effective in their disciple making. I want you to notice something else. When you look at the commandments that are the 10 commandments, we have 10 that are there. The first four commandments are what we call vertical commandments. They are vertical commandments because they deal directly with you and God. They deal directly with you and your relationship. You're supposed to love him alone. You're supposed to have no idols before him. You're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. Those type things. You're not supposed to take his name in vain. It's about you and Jesus. It's about you and God. But from that point on, from the fifth one all the way to the rest, it becomes a horizontal. So, Now we start to look at relational things. And I want you to notice something. The first command that is horizontal that God places there is the one for parents, I mean for children to honor their parents. Why is that? Because that is the most important relationship that is there to make sure that we raise up young people, that we raise up godly people. And so it is our responsibility as parents to teach our children from a young age, no means no. The worst mistake you make as a parent, the worst mistake I have made as a parent, let's, let, let, let's get real about it, is allowing my daughter to cry her way into a yes. To beg their way into a yes. To frustrate their, you know, you into a yes for them because you're tired of hearing them. I remember, I remember as I was growing up, man, I was like the best frustrator. Seriously, like I would hound my mother. I would, I would chase her around the house. Come on, please, please, please. please. I mean, I would just go, and I, and I remember her being like, Jason, leave me alone. And I would continue and continue and continue until finally I got a yes. And so listen, it is important because here's the thing. Every other commandment that's there, not to commit adultery, not to covet, not to steal, not to murder, all of those things, they don't have a promise connected with them. Every promise that is connected, it is, it is assumed that there's a blessing there. You don't commit adultery, then you're going to have a good marriage. Amen. Hallelujah. You don't cover your neighbor's wife, you're not going to get killed. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? I, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, you don't murder. You, don't, you know, you're, you're not going to go to prison. Those are all like assumed blessing. But when he speaks to the, to, to, to the honoring the parents, he says this, and, and young people, even older people, because you don't, you don't ever stop honoring your parents. You understand that? You honor your parents. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees because they were teaching people, there's a certain age, you don't honor your parents anymore. That's never true. You always honor your parents, even if they're unworthy of honor. Even if they don't love Jesus. What you don't do is you don't obey their directions when they tell you to sin against God. That's what you don't do. That's not being dishonorable, that's honoring God. But here's the thing. He ties the first commandment with promise. Is in that relationship. He says, so your days will be long, right? So so it will go well with you in the land. And so ultimately, this is not just about our families. This is about generations. This is about a blessed nation. And you know what? Here's the thing, parents. If we don't teach our children how to honor us, we don't teach our children how to honor God. Because they will think they can treat God the way they treat us. You know how they slam the door in your face? They think they can do that to God too. You know how they, they, they do whatever they want to do until, you know, you finally raise your voice and then they know you're serious? Can I tell you something? You don't want your kids to wait until God is serious. Some of y'all will get that in the car, right? You, 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 you don't want your kids to wait. No, wait. wait listen, you, you, you let God count to three. God doesn't count to three. He gives you grace and more grace and more grace. And then you find yourself in a world of trouble. Don't realize how you got there. And he's calling you to repentance. And you end up suffering things that you should have never suffered. But you know what? Listen, in a big way, it begins with us as parents. And so, young people, learn the commandment of God. Honor your mother and your father. Honor them. Respect them. Honor them. You know, lift them up. Treat them. Esteem them. Amen? Some parents should have got excited right there. But ultimately, if we are going to be disciple makers, what we have to do is do this. We cannot just look at education as a sidebar issue that's unrelated to discipleship. That is ignorant. Did you hear me? You cannot look at education as a sidebar issue. Oh, that's just a sidebar issue They're going to go to school and learn. Hold on a second. What did Jesus say? He said that a student is going to become like his teacher. Who are, your, who are your kids' teachers? Are they atheists? This, this is not about school board. This is about the teachers. Not every person teaching is a Christian. Hello? Are they, are, are they like a universalist? They just believe everybody's all good. What, are they, what do they believe? What are they, what are they going to see? Because here's, here's what you got to get. I don't know about anyone else in this place. I talk about me when I was growing up and thinking about education. I didn't just learn math from my math teacher. I learned some other things, too. I thought he was a pretty cool dude, right? And so I talked to him about some other stuff. We had some conversations about girls in school. Now, wait a second you got to think about all of these things when you're thinking about the topic of education. And so we have to consider, we have to count, we have to measure, and we have to deal appropriately with every influence in our children's life. Because we need to teach our children that they either need to reject, accept, and possibly redeem some things. We have to teach them that. Well, we have to consider education. Now, what I did was I asked. I have a couple of pastor friends that um, don't attend here. Pastor Dan Holland is one of them. Um, and Pastor Mike Gonzalez, he's another one. For our inauguration service, they were both here. And you guys know Pastor Dan because he actually spoke um, in our service a while ago. But one of the things is that they're both different. Pastor Dan Holland, him and his he and his wife, they actually adopted two children. And they decided that they were going to go the route of homeschooling. That's what they did. They, they homeschooled their children. That was the way that they did it. Their children are, are you know, teenage. In high school um, at this point Pastor Mike Gonzalez, they did something different They decided they were going to private school their children In a Christian school And then they ended up switching their children to public school When they were in like middle school or something like that And so both of these men have spoken into my life Regarding this topic But we also have pastors in this church There's three different educational options That we have here And so I've asked Pastor Robert and I've asked Pastor Chad To help me out for a moment And what they're going to both do They're going to both come up here And they are going to give you like two to three minutes And they're going to give you some pros to public school. Pastor Robert will speak about that and and some cons. And then also Pastor Chad, he's going to speak on the topic of homeschooling because they have decided that they are going to homeschool their children. The reason why I want to bring them up here is because I'm going to give my own pros and cons. I just want them to speak too. I want you to hear from them. They have both chosen these routes for a reason, and so I want them to speak and so Pastor Chad and Pastor Robert if you'll come up here really quickly, please, and you guys can just kind of take turns, glory. And this and listen, this is not a debate. This is not to see who does a better job presenting their facts. I just want them to talk. That's all I want them to do. I want them to share their heart on the topic. I want you to hear it because you know what? You need to know some stuff so you can make good decisions and you consider the pros and the cons to both. And then I'm going to speak on the topic of private schooling because that's the choice that we have chosen to go. And so I will go to my left first. All right. Well, I'm excited to be able to be
1: a part of this sermon series even in a small way here, you know. Uh I've been enjoying the uh the series myself and uh Bishop has asked like he said for us to speak on some of the pros and cons from our personal experience. We're still um very new to this. My wife and I we we began to homeschool. Uh we've been training them obviously since, you know, they're able to talk, you know, and but actual homeschooling um Isaiah's would be considered a first grader. So, um we, we're pretty new at this, and we're learning as we go, but uh, the, the the origin of the word educate is, is derived from, um, and I am going to be brief, Bishop, sorry. The, the, the origin of the word educate is derived from words meaning training up, teaching, sending forth, um, providing schooling, and it was uh, first coined in the late 1800, uh, uh, 1500s, and uh, in light of this understanding that's bringing them up, training them, instructing them, leading them out, sending them forth, that is why we decided to... Homeschool And some of the pros that we've experienced during this time is uh, we've been able to choose the curriculums that that we're teaching our children. Um, This has been invaluable to us because we've been able to select. There's a lot of resources out there, church, a lot of resources. And we've been able to select resources for the various subjects that we're teaching that have the same biblical worldview that we have. And for that, that is priceless. Uh, And we've enjoyed that. And then we're also able to teach... Um, At a higher level if we desire to We don't have to stick to a second grade structure We can go higher If we feel like Isaiah Because he's really the only one that's really uh, In schooling now because Caleb's three If he's able to handle it Then we can go higher with a different curriculum So that's awesome Uh, Another pro is the continual discipleship Um, This has been invaluable that we have their minds And hearts all day long Uh, I know I work two jobs So I can't really say I have it all day long But uh, my wife definitely does and that has been um, a wonderful gift from God to us, and we're grateful for that. And um, also, whenever they ask questions, because we have their mind and heart all through the day, we're able to, um, to answer those questions with an, with, an accent, with an exclamation point of how God is glorified throughout that. So we're able to answer it uh, in a, in a, with a biblical worldview that we have. And then another pro, and the last pro that I'm going to mention, is the gift of being together. My um, wife, you know, because I was talking to her about this, she shared how she loves it as a mother, how she's able to see Isaiah grasp a new concept. She's there when that happens, you know, and um, she just really enjoys watching him learn and watching him get things. And that's very special to her as a mother uh, whenever those aha moments happen. And um, uh, that's that. And then the cons, financial demands, um, homeschooling, is, uh, is, it can be costly. Without a doubt, you know, you're purchasing your own curriculums, you're purchasing your supplies, your materials, your resources, and um, we actually purchased a curriculum, there's a lot of different ways that a child can learn, we learn that, and there's a lot of ways that a child can be taught from a teaching perspective, uh, different types of styles, should we say, and uh, we purchased the classical curriculum for a classical approach, didn't work, wasn't good for Tatiana, wasn't good for Isaiah, uh, so we ended up wasting money there, if you will, in having to purchase additional curriculum so that's been a con is the financial demand and then the last financial uh, the last con is uh, first generation homeschoolers Um, we don't have a lot of family and friends who are homeschoolers so it's been very difficult in regards to a support group there's a lot of support groups out there but maybe some of y'all know this maybe some of y'all don't my wife is not really um great in the the relational area you know she's growing in that area so you know if the, her reaching out to these different groups has been difficult for her. You know, it's very uncomfortable for her. And she doesn't have just a mom she can call or a friend she can call and just have, hey, this is what we did. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. So that's been very, very difficult for us. We're learning through trial and error. And uh, that's definitely been a con, being a first-generation homeschool family. And um, I think that's it. Sorry,
2: Public school, pros. Free school bus transportation, one pro. (laughs) After school programs for your kid, extracurricular activity, band, choir, theater programs, required state teacher certification. School accountability to a higher authority, the state. Child will attend school with all his or her neighboring friends, which which can also be a con. Also um, autism programs, special needs programs that are all given for free. PCM training, professional crisis management training to show teachers, administrators, faculty, staff how to Deal with a bad situation and not harm your children at the same time. Cons. Little school choice. Most students must attend their zoned schools. In other words, you can live right across from somebody and they go to Lake Brantley and this person goes to Lyman. Underfunded schools may not have necessary materials or may have to cut programs. It's also a con. Public school classrooms are often filled to capacity, um, but recently they changed that. You can only have uh, 25 students per class now, I believe it is. Uh, too much emphasis on stat- standardized testing. Your, ch- your children may be at different levels, but they will take the same exact test as everyone else, which is truly unfair, especially when the cultures are different. Uh, both gifted students and struggling students may be uh, lost In the shuffle, the student's culture in public high school usually discourages overachievers in A students because they don't have a program to to continue to pay attention to the A students. And lastly, uh, possibility of an unsafe environment both in school and on the bus. Violence and drugs do exist.
0: Praise the Lord. So, we have, um, I'm not going to give you a list of things. I'm going to read read out some stuff, but say this with me. This is the first thing that you repeat after me, and you can write down for my first point. Your child's education, your child's education will, cost you will cost you regardless of your choice. Of your choice. <laughs> Understand this. When I was teaching... Um, a few, a few months ago, we were going through biblical worldview, and we talked about education, and, and there was only about 10 people that were in that class. And so I thought that it was very important that I made sure that I communicated this to everyone, especially to the parents that were not present. You are going to pay for your child's or the, the educational choice. You're going to pay some way. Don't, don't just think, oh, you know, they're going to get a, you know, a free ride. I know Pastor Robert gave a good, um, you know, example. They get, you know, free bus, you know, and stuff like that. That's all good. You're still going to pay for something because he gave you another way where you could pay for that. Right? And so ultimately, that that thing, and and, and I don't I don't want to tell you because I'm not a proponent for any of it. I, I want to give you my story really quickly and how my wife and I came to our conclusion. And you know, we just this is what we felt. I was sitting in Bible college and we were going through um, the the actual um, topic of education. And as our teacher was sitting there, he began to talk to me about this thing called secular humanism. And mind you, this is like 10 years ago, so I really was not on to what secular humanism was. I hadn't been in a public school environment in forever. You know, I had been in the church for at least five or six years, and so when he started to explain the way that this just totally, you know, can corrupt someone's mind and that a lot of the um, things that go on in the public school system, that they are, you know, that they do that. They teach your kids to be about yourself, you know, about themselves and really get in touch with feelings and emotions and things of that nature. I'm going to touch on those toward the end of this, and so he went through a bunch of things. I couldn't even tell you every single thing that he said. All that I know is that by the time he was finished going over this topic, I was like, petrified to send my child to a public school seriously I was like man what are we going to do you know and we didn't we didn't have a child yet or anything like that we were still you know planning and thinking and and everything and so I remember speaking with my wife about it you know we prayed about it individually and we came to the decision that for our situation the best thing that was going to be for us is that we send our child to a Christian private school That was the decision that we made. And so I'm going to go through this list. I'll start with the homeschooling, just what I wrote down. Pastor Chad touched on these. But this is the way that this obviously will cost you. If you homeschool your children, it will cost you because you have to live off of one income. What did he say? He said he works two jobs. There's some sacrifices. There's a lifestyle sacrifice that comes into play if you choose to homeschool. And, and listen, this is not in every situation. Sometimes, you know, Pastor Chad, like myself, we didn't exactly do the right things, you know, when we were growing up. So we didn't get this Ivy League education. We went through the school of hard knocks. I want you to know the School of Hard Knocks don't pay so well once you come out on the other side. Amen. Go for the Ivy League education in the name of Jesus. Glory to God, all right? Get that education and hopefully you won't be coming out working at Burger King. But anyway, that's another topic for another day. Ultimately, here is the bottom line. The bottom line is it's gonna it's gonna cost you, okay? It is going to cost you because someone, because here here's the thing you gotta get. If you go homeschool, you are a teacher. You're a teacher. And you better be able to teach. And, and, as, and as Pastor Chad said it himself, there's one, there are different styles of learning. That means you have to adapt as a teacher. And so ultimately, you have to make that, that type of decision. If you're a single parent, homeschooling is not going to happen. I mean, really, how, how is that going? It's just not going to It's not an option for you. But if you choose this route, you have an ideal situation, married with children, things like that, you're going to have to pay for that. Also, for the pastors that I, t- that I told you about, speaking to Pastor Dan Holland, when their children also reading a book by Vodi Bacham and he deals with his children, they pay for tutors. After a certain age, you're not going to be able to take your kids to that next level. You're going to have to get people that are better educated in a specific area so you can prepare your child for whatever it is they're going to do. So you're going to have to pay for tutors later on. This is going to be what you are going to have to do if you decide to go that route. And that is unless, I mean, you may be just, you know, all that and you're able to teach them and take them to that next level. But from everyone that I've read about and I've heard about, that's just just how it is. You want your kids. Pastor Robert talked about the public schools and how they have all of these these free programs. And I was speaking with Dan Holland and he was sharing with us that his son actually participates in some of the things in the school, in the ROTC program at the school because that's just something that he does. So ultimately, you're going to have to make sure that you realize the price that you're going to pay. So you're going to have to work extra, extra as as a homeschool parent to ensure that your children are prepared for college. That's a controlled environment. Amen. You control it. Pastor Chad, make it clear. You, you, You answer every question. They're not getting an opinion, you know, unless it's from another child in your home that should have probably been brought up by you, so they're going to all have around about the same opinion maybe, whatever the case may be. And so ultimately, it's a controlled environment. And that is a good thing. That is not a bad thing. When you think about the overall picture of discipleship, I'm going to tell you right now, and and, and some of y'all are going to hate me for what I'm about to say. The easiest way, and I'm going to say this on one side because there's a great price to pay, so don't take easy as being not costly, okay? But the easiest way to ensure that your children are going to learn right from you and you're going to be able to raise them up and there's not going to be a whole bunch of outside influence, it's that route, bottom line. The bottom line, that is going to be the, the, the easiest way to make sure, because you're not combating with different ideologies. You're not combating with a Muslim kid that's coming or an atheist kid that's coming. You're not combating with different families, different belief systems. You're not combating with kids who come to ch- who come to school after living in a home where there's all kind of drug abuse, sexual abuse, and everything, and your child gets caught in a bathroom in elementary school with someone who's been through that. Your child is clueless. Because your home is not like that. You don't let them watch that stuff on TV. I had the worst experience uh, a couple of months ago. And because it's my family, I'll talk bad about them. But here's the thing. Um, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was at my grandmother's house. And mind you, my grandmother didn't know what was going on. And so I, I won't put the blame on her. But my two nieces were in a room. And I, just, I, I went to see my great-grandmother in the back room. When I come out, I walk into the room where my nieces are. They're sitting down. Mind you, one of my nieces is 17. The other one, I think, is like 12. I look at the television, and, you know, when, when I glanced over there, I didn't, there was nothing graphic on the thing. But I looked over, and then when I look back, I'm talking to my niece, and then they're kind of watching the TV. And then they kind of smirked, you know, and, and you could tell they kind of got nervous because I walked in the room. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, this guy is raping this little girl. So this is what they're watching on the television. Well, you know what? If you are a Christian parent, your kids are not watching some kid get raped by some guy. They're not watching. But somebody else's kids are. And somebody else's kids are going to talk to your kid. Listen, so you need to think about that. That is just a reality. Am I saying that? You know, public school, I'm not telling you that public school is bad. I'm just telling you, you need to count the cost. You need to, don't don't ignore facts. That's my second point, but I'll say it now anyway. Ignoring the facts, don't make them go away. And so ultimately, homeschooling, you're going to have a controlled environment. You determine what they learn, what they view you. You determine the curriculum. The second thing um, is private school. That's the one that we have chosen. If you private school your children, it's going to cost you tuition. Let me say that again because it's going to cost you tuition, glory to God. With what we have paid for our daughter to go to school, I could have like three new cars a year, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I will, ride, I will drive my car until it falls apart to make sure that she gets the best education that we feel is right. That's just how it is. I, 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 every time that I see her, you know, we have conversation. When we're sitting down learning Bible verse for school, when she's sitting there going through the Bible study that they had in the class with, you know, my wife. When all of that stuff happens, I'm like, praise God for my car. I'm like, I'm going to keep driving it. no payments. Glory to God. Take it to, take it to my mechanic. Be like, yo, man, make sure this thing runs, brother. Because this thing got to run for at least the next 10 years. I mean, I'm serious. I don't be just, but when I get one, I'm going to get a nice one. Amen? (laughs) Glory to God. But here's the thing. It's going to cost you tuition. You're going to have to pay some tuition to make sure. But there's another cost that's involved in private schooling your your child, even in a Christian environment, is that you will have to take the time to make sure that you as the parents are the primary, um, carry the primary role of disciple maker in your child's life. Because here's what will happen. Your child learns Bible in school. They have a class for Bible study. Your child does, excuse me, does memory verses. But your school is still not responsible to make a disciple of your child you are. And Pastor Mike, when he took his sons out of private school, what happened was he said that was his greatest issue. And I had to confess it with him. And that's my greatest issue too. I can be a little bit lax because I know what she's learning. I know that she's getting Bible. It's not, you know, I know that she's getting those things. Pastor Mike said, for him personally, this is for him personally, he said the best thing for him as a parent was taking his kids out of private school, putting them in public school, because it made him become Pastor Dad. He would wake up every morning an hour before they had to be up and ready so they could spend 30 minutes in prayer. He has two boys, so they could spend 30 minutes in prayer and devotional time and 30 minutes working out, and then they would get ready for school. That's what he did as his dad. Is that going to work for every person in here? Probably not. But ultimately, what are you going to do to disciple your children if that's the environment? As a private school parent, you're going to pay that price in that level. And then you're also going to have to make sure you're involved in the things that do not revolve around, you know, your family schedule. That's another pro to being homeschooled. It's your schedule. You don't have to take summer break when they want a break. You, you You can take a vacation anytime. As a matter of fact, you can be on vacation and still teaching your kids. Hallelujah. Your kids will love that. So ultimately, you have that there, there's a price involved. There's a semi-controlled environment. Let me say it like this. Um, my, my 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 wife's brother's girlfriend, she was actually raised in, and she went to a Catholic school. And her and I were discussing school one day, and she said, You know where I was introduced to smoking cigarettes? It was in school. And so don't get it twisted. There are still sinners going to private Christian schools. Did you hear me? There are still sinners. And there are people who are irresponsible with their kids. They're, I mean, there, there are situations. People are divorced. People are in there, There's all kind of situations. So it's not like, you know, you take your kids. Hey, they're just going to be perfect. Absolutely not. But it's a more controlled environment because one of the things that they do, at, at least at the Masters Academy, is they make this very clear. They say whenever they look at their curriculum, they let the word of God filter the curriculum. The curriculum doesn't filter the word of God. And that's important. And so we go to the public school scenario, and you guys have already heard some of the stuff here. But if you public school your children, you have to deal with influences that are contrary to your beliefs. I, was ha- I, had, I had to ask some people to do some research for me because I didn't want to come up here and just throw out a bunch of facts. I asked about the theory of evolution. Is that taught in school? And they said, and, and, and very clearly, this person made it very clear. They said they teach it all the way, and they teach it in science all the way up until the seventh grade. They emphasize the word theory. So I asked another question. Do they teach the theory of creationism? And the person said, "Sadly, they do not." So, although it is emphasized that this is a theory, it is the only theory that our schools are going to offer our children. Is that not right? That's what happens. So, you are going to have to combat that as a parent. You're going to have to communicate some things because here's the thing: your kids, and I'm going to say this because I, you know I've done this, they're not paying attention to the word theory. I'm sorry. They're not paying attention to the word theory. Why? Because they're going to be tested on this. They're going to have to answer correctly, so they are learning the right answer. I had another conversation, and we were we were talking about um, discussions about religion. And so what they do is they will have com- you have conversations in an environment in a classroom, and you can talk about religion. This is what this is what I was told. You can talk about any religion. The issue comes in when you decide to talk about a specific god. So here's the point, it's not only if you talk about Jesus, you talk about Allah, you got to cut the conversation. If you talk about Buddha, you got to cut the conversation. You talk about whatever, you, have to, you, you, can't, you can't specifically discuss something like that. But here's what I said in that conversation, I said here becomes the issue, whether you realize it or not, your kids are sitting there in an environment, they're able to talk about religion that is equal, it is not equal. Listen to me. If you don't like what I'm about to say, you really need to check your heart. Christianity, in, in, in its purest form, is superior to any other religion. Why? Because of our Savior. It is not equal to to Islam. It is not equal to being a Buddhist. It is not equal to being any other. It is above every other religion because Jesus is the founder. He is the God, the resurrected one. And so here is the point. The point is our kids are in an environment where they're having conversation. It creates confusion in their hearts. And then you don't want to force anything down their throat because they've been touched by the secular humanism and you don't realize it. And so it's important for us to realize this. The other thing, too, that I, saw that, that I saw as a con, well, in a private school, they're going to have school clubs. That's going to be a bottom line, right? But they're not going to have a support group for homosexuals. Listen to me. They're not going to have that in a Christian private school. But in a public school, whatever goes, you can have this, these clubs. I'm right. You can have clubs for whatever. And so what does that mean? Oh, my kids don't have to go to the clubs. You're right, they don't. But they're seeing it being promoted all over the place. They're seeing those people that are part of those groups. And so, again, creating these different types of confusion. So what does that mean? That means that you will have to be very involved, intentionally involved with your children. So that way you can be in the know and help them navigate through some of these situations. You have to be in a relationship with your children, not as friend. As a loving parent. do You hear me? Not, 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 not. Yo, that's my dog. No, dad, you're not the dog. <laughs> that's my homegirl. No. When, they, when they're grown, that's my mom. We hang out, that's my mom. Amen. Listen, I, I, I know this, this is not popular, but, but hear me. We have to make sure. My mom was cool with me. You think I had respect for her? Listen to me, I told y'all last week, I would disrespect, my mom would tell me when I, when, I, when I was a teenager in the house, I would drop the F-bomb or whatever the case was, and she'd be like, don't be cursing in the house, and I would blah, 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 just to disrespect her. Listen, it, it, it isn't about that. Now, here's what you got to understand as a parent. There's a time relationships change, amen? You can't treat a 17-year-old like a 10-year-old, but understand this. You are still parent. They are still child. Yeah, Bishop, you're going to see when you get there. I will see, and you will too if you're still here. (laughs) I promise. I'm not preaching from the side of my mouth. I'm preaching what is truth. I'm going to have to make adjustments in parenting. I'm going to have to grow in those areas. But ultimately, I need to make sure that there is a clear understanding that I'm not equal with one of their friends. I'm better than any friend they can have. We have to be prayerful. Here's the thing that I want to point out to you. I'm not, not, obviously, I am a proponent for private school. Why? Because that's the choice I made. But am I going to say that every parent that doesn't, you know, send their children to private school is going to hell? No. Some of y'all just can't afford that. You would love to send your child to private school. You can't afford it. Am I saying that every parent that sends their child to public school, that they're going to hell? No. Am I saying that you have to homeschool? No. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. What I'm going to tell you is that the Bible, and and listen, I've studied the scriptures on this. The Bible does not say that there is one specific form of education that you have to do. What the Bible does tell you is just what Jesus said here. He makes it very clear that a student is going to be just like his teacher. And so you need to consider who is teaching your children, and you're going to have to make some extra efforts. Say extra efforts depending on your educational decision for your child. And so we have to be prayerful about our educational decision and make a decision based on our convictions gained from Scripture And so we need to study our Bibles out. We need to look at what the Bible says and what the scriptures teach regarding influences in our child's life. We need to also get godly counsel. Sit down. The reason why I had the pastors come up is because they are are men of God. And they they both have experiences. And I want them to share with you the reasons why they choose or, or the pros and cons. I want you to know that stuff. They've chosen different educational routes for their children. And so I want you to hear from them. But then also you need to be prayerful about those decisions. Because ultimately, and I will say this right now, not every mom is a homeschool mom. And I'm going to say this too. And someone, and you know, and and some of y'all, but not, not, not just, it's just not that way. And and, and some moms could be homeschool moms. And this is the one you ain't going to like. Some of y'all could be, but you just choose not to because you want to live a certain lifestyle. Listen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> See, they laugh now. Praise the Lord. The point of is that there's some people they just should not be homeschooled, no. Mm-mm. They shouldn't. It's, it's it would be a detriment to them and to their children. But ultimately, ultimately, we need to be prayerful, we need to make the right decision. If we allow our children to be molded through education, entertainment and other external influences, we should not be surprised when they turn out different than what we desire. If we allow our children to be molded through education, entertainment, and other external influences, we should not be surprised when they turn out different than what we desired. Parents, we're the gatekeepers. We decide what goes in, we decide what doesn't. Amen? We need to make sure that we make those decisions because when our kids turn out different than what we want, all of us, how many of y'all want your children to turn out godly, loving Jesus, serving him, walking with him? Amen? There's not a parent in here that doesn't want that. That's an awesome desire. But here's the question. What are you doing to make sure that happens? Because let me explain this to you. Ultimately, you don't control the end result. The only thing you're accountable for is the from here to there. Did you hear me? The only thing that you are accountable for, the only thing that I am accountable for, the only thing that we are accountable for is what we have done to get them to that point. Because they're the ones that have to make a decision to follow Jesus. Amen? The second point that I'll make here, and say this with me, denying the facts does not make them go away. You can deny the facts all day long, but it's not going to make them go away. Here's the first fact that I want to give you when you deal with the topic of education. The fact is that all knowledge must begin with a fear, respect, and honor of God according to Scripture. What does the Bible say in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, and verse 7? Come on, quote it for me. I'm just messing with y'all. Y'all are like, Bishop, seriously? No, 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 listen. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning. So where does knowledge begin? With a fear of who God is. All knowledge. That didn't say some knowledge. That said, with the fear, that is where knowledge begins. So that is a fact that we cannot deny. So here is the reason why this fact becomes so important. Any educational system that undermines, ignores, or questions God's existence, authority, or our absolute need for him can be detrimental to biblical discipleship. Let me say that again. If all knowledge is supposed to begin with the fear of who God is, that means that any educational system that undermines, ignores, or questions God's existence, his authority, and our absolute need for him can be detrimental to biblical discipleship. Amen. Listen, that's the truth. Because if you're saying, well, you don't have to fear God, and you can still be all this and all that, and you don't have to fear God, and and really, you know... You're going, to, you're going to tell me that that cannot be detrimental and cause confusion? Let me give you one more fact that will prove that it is detrimental. Now, I told you all about statistics last week, but I, but I will tell you this right now. These, the, these different groups, they do statistics, just like I told you. I explained to you the way that these other statistics were done, the way that George Barna does them. And what they, and what they do is every year, there are certain um, co- companies that they do statistics specifically for those who are Christians, Okay. Specifically, those who are Christian students. In other words, they declare that they're Christian. Amen? And you want to know what they have found out year after year after year? Children who come out of the public school environment with a biblical worldview are rare. The ones that are Christian, I'm not talking about just, they they didn't just go and just poll the whole school. No. What they did was, they specifically find out, are you a confessing Christian? And listen, here is the issue. The issue is we know this. I mean, this is not rocket science. The fact is, to be a Christian today, it don't really mean nothing. But here's the point. The point is they think they're Christian. You know what that means when you think you're a Christian? That means you think you're going to heaven. That means you think that you are okay with God. I don't care about anything else. If you say you're a Christian, you think these things. And these folks that are saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, that's what they believe. But when you ask them worldview questions, worldview is not just knowing what's right and what's wrong. It is believing that this is right, that is wrong. There's a difference. See, because we think that we've done a great job if our kids just know that's right, that's wrong. How do your kids view the world? Let me ask you a better question. How do they live in the world? How do they live? Because that's that's what their worldview is. The last last fact that I'll give you before we move on is Psalm chapter 1. My wife read it earlier, so let's turn there together. Psalm chapter 1. We're going to read this together, and I want us to put this in application to our children and their education. I want you to see if you can see what is clearly there. Psalm chapter 1. got to say amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 1, it says this. It says, blessed is the man. So pause for a moment with me. If you want to know how to live a blessed life, right, then that means that you should apply these things that we're about to hear, right? Okay. Do we all agree I got one amen? Amen. So the Bible says blessed is the man. That means blessed is the man. Hallelujah. (laughs) Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. A person who is going to walk in blessing is going to be a person, they're not going to be listening to the counsel of the ungodly. So do you see where there could be ungodly counsel where your children, and you send them there for eight hours a day? Right? Now listen to me. I'm not condemning you for this. I want you to understand what is going on. Because as a parent, I am responsible to know what is going on, to help my child navigate, to do whatever I can to make sure that they're not sitting under ungodly counsel. We'll leave it there, but the fact is that Psalm 1 gives us a clear picture of how to ensure a blessed life. Again, sitting under corrupt influences will create another obstacle in biblical discipleship. You look at half of those shows that, you know, are out there, and they're arguing, well, so-and-so is doing this. I don't care about so-and-so. You ain't so-and-so, and I ain't their daddy. That's the argument. But the fact of the matter is, that's still the argument. Why is that even an argument? Oh, well, they're going to see this movie. Why can't I? Listen, I don't know why they didn't go see that movie. But that movie is not God of God. That movie does not edify, and you ain't going but we have these arguments that occur in our home. And listen, I'm only thinking back to when I was a teenager and I was in my house and they were having sleep. My mom wasn't even a Christian. Sleepovers? Nope. As soon as sleepovers started happening, it got crazy. I know some, some of y'all are like, well, Bishop, I let... Listen, I'm, not t- I'm, I'm letting you know, think about when you were... See, sometimes as parents, I think we forget about when we were kids. And even worse, we don't realize that our generation was not like this generation. Different, different, different. And so ultimately, we have to realize that those arguments are going to occur because of what? Because they got the wrong people speaking into their ears. And and listen, we have some great, in in this church, we have some great Christian teachers that work in the public school system. And I believe wholeheartedly anyone who is working in those areas that is a Christian, God has put you there so that way you could do whatever you can to be a light and to be a salt and to influence those around you for good. But not every teacher is like that. And so I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to condemn anything. What I am simply trying to do is let's not just sleep through what our children are going through. Let's not just act like stuff is not happening. Here's the thing I want you to know about statistics. And I said, I remember the first time I said this in youth ministry, I was preaching a message. And it is that God is into breaking statistics. Someone say amen. Amen. All those negative negative statistics, statistics, I was one of those negative statistics. And God is into breaking them. I should be this, I should be that, I should be, I should be a whole bunch of stuff that I'm not. But because of God's grace, that is what God's grace does. It breaks those statistics. And so the question is not so much how do we deal with this. The question really is are we willing to pay the price to deal with this? See, because I gave you the prices. The price is you're going to have to change your lifestyle if you're going to choose to homeschool because that's going to be the best scenario for you. The price is if you're going to send your child to a private Christian school, you're going to have to pay tuition. There's going to be other things that are going to be involved that you are going to have to pay a price in. If you decide that you're going to send your child to to, to a public school as an educational option, then that means that you are going to have to be a vigilant parent who is deeply involved in the discipleship of your children and you cannot turn off and decide, well, it's time to relax when they get home you're going to have to understand something when they get home that's your time to to download whatever they've been learning to download whatever they've been going through so you can help reprogram them for the next day that's a lot of work especially for them because they're worn out and they got homework and they got to do this but you know what Jesus still is the most important thing in their life them knowing him them knowing what's right and what's wrong them loving him more than anything else is more than an a Listen, it is important for us to get that because we are responsible to make sure that we have done what? That we've led our children to Jesus the best way that we can. Amen? In closing, I'll say this. Countercultural parenting is the key to effective discipleship. We can't just embrace the way the culture says to parent our kids. See, the reason why we don't even think twice about our kids going to school other than a school zone, other than the type of schools that are there, the reason is because our culture has, has made it simple for us. You don't have to think about where your kids, you know, y'all know that I like, you know, Little House on the Prairie, amen, hallelujah. And so I love that show because that's when they're starting the whole school system. And by the way, it was Christians who started this whole public school in the first place. As a matter of fact, I was reading in this in, in, in the actual book, Family Driven Faith, um, by Vodi Bakum, and in the end, he is saying something, and th- this is what motivated part of this whole series. He's talking about things that people can do in order to help their churches grow and navigate through areas. And one of the things that he does, and he says this very clearly, he says, "Look, he said there there there's a Muslim there, there's a Muslim nation." And one of the Muslim leaders, he was speaking out about all of the people that are turning from Islam, especially the young people that are turning to Christianity. And what this sheik got up and what he said was this, he said the reason why so many people are turning from Islam to Christianity is because of all of these Christian missions that are over here educating our children. He said, if we want more Muslims to grow up, then we as Muslims need to stop building mosques and start building schools. Now, listen to me. If the devil is recognizing the power of education through this spokesperson, how much more do we as Christians need to acknowledge it? And understand, don't, don't think, and, and and I love one of, one, one of the great things, um, that was said in that whole study about teaching and it is that a person cannot teach without their beliefs coming out. When I was having that conversation about the conversations about religions all being equal and all that kind of stuff, one of the people in the conversation said, the issue is when you're in a classroom with a teacher who is a Christian, that's a good thing for your Christian child because they're going to push the bar and they may say some things that they shouldn't say. But the issue comes in for you as a Christian parent when your child is in a classroom with someone who is an atheist or someone who believes contrary to your belief and they go a little bit too far that's when those issues come into play and so here is the ultimate thing as parents we must make a choice how we desire our children to turn out what do I mean by that you need to have a vision what's your vision for your kids it doesn't mean you and, 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 and I say this sincerely I take it from my own life a few years ago we had a, a Father's Day service and they did an amazing presentation and in this presentation, they had the different children of the fathers that were there. They had them dress up in their work apparel. And so I don't have a son, but what they did with my daughter was they put her in a suit and they gave her my Bible. And so they opened up the thing and I began to cry and, you know, it got, got, it got emotional for me. And they gave us this can. It was a paint can. And they said, we want you to take this paint can home today, and we want you to put inside of this paint can, write something, put some kind of memorabilia in there so that way when your child is 21, they can read this or, you know, look at this and have a, have a, have a memory. And I remember that I, I was I was so moved by the whole situation that I sat down and I was bawling as I wrote this note to my daughter, and I said, listen, I hope that when you read this that I have done a good job in instructing you on how to be a Christian. I don't expect you to be anything other than a Christian. I don't expect you to be a worship leader. I don't expect you to be a preacher or teacher. I don't expect you to be anything like that. But the one thing that I do is I hope that you're a Christian. See, here's the point. The point is, if my daughter decides to be a doctor, she decides to be a lawyer, she decides to be a homemaker. Whatever she decides to do, I just want her to do it for the glory of Jesus. But you know what? That won't happen if I don't put feet to the faith that I have. That will not happen if we don't instruct her and teach her. And it's not just in certain things, you know, just like spiritual stuff. It's all around. I thank God for my mother-in-law who teaches my daughter how to cook. My daughter makes some stir-fry that is off the chain, y'all. My daughter makes quinoa. My daughter makes beans. My daughter cooks chicken. My daughter is serious. My wife could leave for a month and I'd be good as long as I go to the grocery store. On, on the cooking front, I'd be depressed in every other area. But um, ultimately, as far as the, on that front, she, know, she knows how to take care of a house. She's learning. She can't do it all by herself. She's 10 years old. Listen, that's the responsibility of the parents to teach their children. You have a boy teaching him how to be a man, teaching him how to be responsible, teaching him how to lead. Those type of things. But the question is, what is the vision that you have for your children? What And, and once you decide this vision, I mean, what is it you want? Then decide how you're going to do it. How are you going to do it? Listen, can I tell you something? Please, bring them on Sundays. Please, bring them on Wednesdays. But don't let that be the end of your plan. As Christian parents, if we have not made every effort to ensure that our children know God, love God, fear God, obey God, and know why they serve Him, we failed them. Listen, we can't make them fear God. We can't make them love God. We can't make them serve God. That's God's job to do. But as I said last week, we can create an environment where it's easy for them to find God. And it's not because we beat them in the head with a Bible and we're shoving scriptures down their throat. It's not because of that, but it's being intentional in their lives and helping them to grow. And I'll say these three things and then I'm going to wrap this up. Our culture tells us, let them, meaning our kids, make up their own minds. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, train them in the way they should go. It doesn't say leave it up to them. It doesn't say wait until they can decide. He says train them in the way that they are to go. And when they're older, what? They won't depart from the way. Don't wait for them to figure it out on their own. That's your job as a parent to train them in the way they should go. Our culture says stuff like we should be free and they should be free to do what feels right. They don't feel like getting up and going to church. Don't worry about it. They don't feel like doing this. Don't worry about it. Time out. You know what the Bible says? The Bible said that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. It says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and it is the rod of correction that drives it out of him. I told you this before. You need to learn to beat the hell out of your children. I'm saying, don't, don't abuse them drive that foolishness out of them and, and, and for some kids like, like my daughter, I, I could probably count on one hand how many times we've had to really spank Alexis because you just you know change with her and she gets emotional and you know, it's, 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 that's discipline she's good, she recognizes what she's done wrong she's sentimental some kids, man, you can change with them you can flip, you can do whatever and they just not moved and so you need to bring it out Lay hands on them. Our culture says, this this one is important. They're all important, but this one, our culture says, the Bible and religion are outdated, blinding and binding sources of reference. Our Bible says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It is God's commands That endure from generation to generation to generation. Don't let culture, don't let anyone tell you. That is an outdated way of doing things. You need to get your face in your Bible. See what the scriptures teach. Listen, don't go and read every single book on parenting. Don't do that. Read good ones. Ask for some counsel if you're not sure. There's some books that I wish people had never read, glory to God some books I wish I never read it was like a waste of my life that I'll never get back but ultimately the fact of the matter is read your Bible listen I reject the idea that our kids don't come with a manual they do God gave it to us he gave it to us he gave it to us the question is are we diligent enough to read it are we are we diligent enough to pay the price that we need to pay as parents, we must be and remain the greatest source of influence and education in our children's lives. Amen. Let us stand to our-